Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life. Through interviews with various experts on relationships, investing, self-work, entrepreneurship, and more, this podcast is committed to spreading knowledge to all women. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, I'm Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You. I'm glad that you have decided to join me today in taking the steps to maximize your life and your happiness. This is a safe place where we empower women to truly reach a level 10 in multiple areas of their life through knowledge, motivation, and advice from experts. Today we have with us Jodi Walker. She's going to help us find the creativeness inside that so many of us suppress as women when we're working. She'll help us put our entrepreneurial caps on and remind us that it's okay to step outside of our comfort box. Jody is an award-winning speaker and entrepreneur that'll captivate and command a room instantly. She's the founder and chief creative catalyst of Success Alliances, and she's the inventor of entrepreneurial thinking for success systems. Many companies such as Verizon, Ford Motor Company, and Veterans Health Administration have looked to Jody for leadership, new developmental strategies, and innovativeness in the work environment. I truly hope that you enjoy this episode and find the motivation to go out there and be the best version of yourself that you can be. Enjoy this episode and rise up for you. Good morning, Jody. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Great, great. Well, we're so happy you can join us here today. We're going to go ahead and just jump straight into the interview. Great. Thanks. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself professionally? Sure. Well, I was in healthcare and medical sales for many years before actually starting my own business. And when I got into the professional development field and starting work working with clients, I realized that my mission was really to help others tap into their talents and strengths. And that later really evolved into helping leaders do the same for themselves and for their teams. And I really feel like by putting your talents and strengths to good use, you can actually be more creative and a lot more valuable to your organization. So to sum it up, I would say that we help leaders build an innovative culture and personal ownership for results that really leads to moving beyond business as usual. So you take part in a lot of professional development and leadership training, as, as you said, for companies. What's the number one struggle that you find amongst the workplace that leaders and businesses are currently dealing with? That's a great question, Netta. I think one of the biggest challenges in businesses today is getting everyone on the same page. We are always on information overload. We have meetings like crazy And yet organizations often have this disconnect within their company. So I'm really a big believer in leaders focusing on making sure that their mission of their organization is ingrained in what I call kind of a top-down, bottom-up philosophy, which really means that everyone at every level knows the mission, understands the mission, and, and lives by the values. And when they do that, It really improves the collaboration, uh, it improves customer service, and it makes people feel a part of the organization rather than just an employee. And I think that's 
that's challenging sometimes. I, I remember Paul Orfila, who was the founder of Kinko's, I interviewed him one time and he said, Jody, do you know where the word employee comes from? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said, it means bend to the will of. And I thought, wow, that's wow. definitely, a, yeah, really a, definitely a different way of looking at it. So I think now you see people, they use different words. They'll call people associates, crew members, and things like that. But it really is going back to that mission of the organization and then making everyone feel uh, valuable. Okay, and I know you've, you've trademarked the term entrepreneurial thinking. Why don't you tell us a little more about that and how it ties into what you do in your work? Okay. I trademarked the term entrepreneurial thinking actually back in 1999 before anyone was, was even really talking about it. And I sum it up like this. Entrepreneurial thinking is taking personal ownership for results, which obviously is something entrepreneurs do so well. So if you're an entrepreneur, you get that but you may have trouble getting the people who work for you to think like that. And then on the flip side, if you're a leader in an organization, you also need to be able to embrace entrepreneurial thinking if you want to stay ahead of your competitors. Uh, many companies like Google and YouTube, they've been letting their people think like this all along. But what I think is so interesting that is that for some companies, they're afraid of the word entrepreneurial. In fact, over the years, I've had many clients request this topic, but they want to call it something else. So sometimes it might be called building leaders at all levels, but it's the same concept. So I would say really organizations today have to get over the fear of the fact that their people may go off and start their own business because they just might do that. Right. <laughs> uh, but that, that doesn't mean that you don't want to give them opportunities to be more creative and innovative on the job when they're working for you. So it's kind of universal. I mean, we work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses as well as leaders within companies. And it's, it really is something that can resonate with everyone. You know, sometimes we're talking to, you know, whether it's a, for customer service or franchises or just simply leaders, they have to be able to be entrepreneurial thinkers themselves because that's how they stay ahead of the curve. Right. And absolutely. And there's so many people that have these creative ideas that if they contribute it to their company or to their organization, their company can definitely rise and benefit from it. I used to be an executive and there were many times where there were just brilliant people and they never spoke up because A, they didn't have the opportunity, B, we didn't give them an outlet, or C, they were just afraid to be able to be creative and think creatively. And I always knew that this is a brilliant mind that's right here and they can take the corporation to a whole new level. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, you really, you really hit, it, hit it on the head. I, I think that so many times organizations get caught up in the bureaucratic system that they have going on in order to move forward that they forget about all the ideas as you walk down the halls that are right there amongst these, as you pointed out, these brilliant minds that are here. But many times people won't speak up and many times they have these great visions that could help their company. So you really have to uh, allow the culture to support that and to, and that's why I say top down, bottom up as well. Ideas can come from anywhere. You know, when we talk to healthcare, you may have the janitor who has an amazing idea that supports how things could be safer in the healthcare environment. Well, his idea is just as valuable as anyone else's. And I think that's what we have to get to is we have to realize that ideas come from anywhere. There's no longer just this department where uh, great ideas come from. That's, that's just not the way it works today. 
Right. And, and most companies are using only half of their potential because they're scared and they, they're scared to think outside of the box and utilize that creativity. So what advice can you give anyone to tap into that creativity and maximize potential of themselves and their company or organization they're working for? Okay. I think when you look at, uh, there's been lots of studies and research around this, first of all. Actually, Adobe did a study and they found that only one in four people believe that they're living up to their own creative potential. So they realize that they're not living up to their own creative potential. But they may or may not have the tools to do that. So the organization needs to give them the tools to do that, number one. Uh, In years past, people would say the word was creativity was fluff. Until then, they did a CEO study and found out it was the number one uh, factor that was going to impact uh, the success of these companies in the future. So it isn't about fluff. It is really about uh, using your creativity as a, a real success factor for moving ahead. And so a couple of things that you can do to to enhance this for yourself or leaders can do this with their teams as well is to really help people focus on their curiosity. So I always tell people, be curious. Um, ask why or why not And don't be afraid to look in a different direction than where everyone is going because we've all been in that meeting where everybody's going down one path and then you're that person or someone else is that person that's sitting there thinking, this is just not right. This is not right. They need to be thinking about this. And then they may or may not speak up. So if that meeting just goes full boat in one direction, you have to allow ample time for all the ideas to kind of come forward. But more importantly, for people to really be able to ask all those good questions. And I think for all of us, we have to remind ourselves, you know, why? Why is it being done that way? Just because it's been done that way for 10 years doesn't mean that it's the best way to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, trends are changing daily. And if we as companies and organizations don't don't follow them or allow our employees to kind of latch on, then we are, we're going to be stuck. No, I think I think that's true. And, you know, another piece of that, you know, that puzzle with with creativity is managing your assumptions So a lot of people do get stuck, just like you were referring to. This is where people get into trouble because they evaluate it. When they're evaluating a situation, they need to ask themselves, do they have enough information or are they just making an assumption? And a lot of times, uh, we've seen this so many times in businesses today, and I'm sure, Neta, you know of, of lots of these examples as well, but the taxi industry made the assumption that their business was secure. And then along came Uber. (laughs) Right. So, and there are many, many examples like this where people just didn't think it was going to happen. I remember years ago watching uh, something on on, um, the news where they were talking about the bread industry was going to have their first ever annual summit. And I remember thinking to myself, because we speak at conferences all the time, and I remember thinking, the bread industry is having their first summit. And this was years ago. But what was so interesting about it, they were having their first annual summit because they ran into some problems. And the problem was that people were on a low-carb craze. Do you remember that? Yes. So all the, the, you know, the diets that were the Atkins diet, the South Beach diet were all out in front. So the bread industry got caught behind the curve. But it wasn't just the bread industry. It was all these other industries, too. So the frozen food industry and all these other places. Now, if you go down the aisle in your market, you see all this low-carb craze. It's been around for a long time now. But that's just one example of how people start to react as opposed to being proactive and creative in looking ahead at situations. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And again, we're moving so fast that your your corporation or business will indeed sink if you don't start thinking along those lines. Do you see a, a progressiveness happening with corporations in that in that in today's modern day thinking, or do you still find that a number of corporations are stuck in their old habits and don't want to move? Well, I think there's a little bit of both. I think there are companies that are are recognizing that they have to do things differently. And that's why you see with the whole social media craze, you see a lot of people doing a lot of things differently, but a lot of people are just throwing things out there. And I think, you know, obviously strategy is important in doing this, but I think companies are still a little bit reactive as opposed to being proactive. And it comes back to bringing your teams together at the very beginning. You know, that whole philosophy of, do you have a culture that supports this? You can say it's a priority and you can have it built into your plan and your strategy, but if you don't build it from the ground up and build build a culture that supports it, uh, you find yourself reacting to problems in the marketplace. How do you build that culture for employees that don't want to latch onto that? One of the things that I like to advise leaders to do is when they're building this culture is not just about their mission, but actually about the personal mission for the individual. So I usually, you know, walk them through an activity where they can help people develop their personal mission. So what that means is for those people that you just described, Netta, that might be disengaged, how do we get them back engaged? And we want to look at what's important to them and how their talents and strengths can contribute And that way they will feel more a part of that mission. So oftentimes people are focused on, here's our mission. Everybody needs to get on on board. Well, that, that doesn't really motivate me, right? So when you think about that, how do we get them motivated? And you have to find out what's important to them. So by allowing people to look at their personal mission, I could say, you know, what my personal mission is. And then at that point, I can say, how does that link with the mission of my organization? And how can I connect the dots between those two things so that it's so I feel connected to the organization? That's why you see a lot of people, you know, the philanthropic things that organizations are doing because they find that it engages their people because they may have something that they're really passionate about and they can get involved in. So I think that it's a lot of the little things to bring along engagement, because, as you know, engagement is one of the the hot topics right now in terms of you know, organizations keeping the people engaged on a daily basis. If we want them to bring us ideas, they have to be engaged. And it's our job as leaders to have an environment that is around that. And I think the personal mission statement is something that can help with that. That's right. Because if we have that engagement, then, you know, essentially they're going to work harder for the company and the organization. And that's what we want. That's the end goal. Right. And, and it ha- has to be about not just what's good for the company, but what's good for the coworker as well. Right. So, so many times that's when people feel disengaged. They think it's all about the company and all about them making profit. Well, yes, of course they want to make a profit, but how do you bring everybody on board that they're excited? And that's what you see with entrepreneurs. They're so excited about building their company and the bigger they get, the harder that gets to maintain. And that's what, where you find the challenge with these very, very large companies. Uh, trying to, again, to build those entrepreneurial cultures. But that's what it comes down to. If you if you allow people to really kind of be the entrepreneurial thinkers on the job, they can get more excited about it 
and then you have the opportunities to stay ahead of the curve as opposed to what I call, you know, follow the leader. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and one thing that I really um, respect about everything that you're saying is I've actually seen you in practice. I saw you a few weeks ago speak and you were extremely engaging, which is part of the reason why I reached out to you and you were creative and you were unique as a speaker and as a presenter. So what about your presence do you think strikes a chord with the audience? Why do you think, um, I guess, your aura and presence on stage connects with the audience so well? Thanks. Thanks, Ned. I appreciate, appreciate those nice comments about my presentation. I think it, it's really important to be able to be your best self. And that means finding your passion and your purpose and bringing that into your work. So when you saw me present at that particular women's conference, one of the things that I love to do is I love to uh, bring music into the presentation. Now, it may not be pre performing. It may not be that form of music into the elements, but it really is about taking something that you're passionate about and tying it in. So what I do is I use music as a metaphor for business. So only when it's a fit. So when it's a fit for the audience and it makes sense, I do that, but it allows me to get excited about it as well. And I use that music, of course, as a universal language. So it does strike a chord, no pun intended, but when you can use something that's universal, it allows your audience to engage in a different way. And so I think for, and particularly for the women audiences, it really does work very, very well, but it allows people to look at the information a little differently from a little different perspective. And that I feel also helps trigger the whole creativity piece because you're doing something just a little bit differently, but it has to be something that's true to yourself. So for me, it might be music. For someone else, it might be how they use humor. For someone else, it might be their artistic talent and how they use that to tie in a message for their audience. I've seen so many great speakers that do that very, very well. And I think it really is for all of us to, whether we're a presenter in a business like I do, or whether it's just your own uh, business that you do in uh, the work that you do for your clients, is how do you take that element of yourself and bring it into the picture where it makes sense, of course. Right, absolutely. And, and honestly, that's one, of the, that's one of the factors that I've seen you know, throughout my professional experience of CEOs, managers, leaders, you know, oftentimes when they're presenting or giving ideas, they lack that. And I, there's been so many times I remember sitting either as a coworker or as an audience member and thinking, how can we possibly as an organization feel motivated and engaged and jump to this mission when there's nothing coming from the speaker or presenter or the person giving the idea? No, that's a good point. I mean, it has to be authentic. It has to feel real. And I think that's something today that, that people really strive to, I think people really strive to have that transparency. And if the audience does not see that transparency, then they can shut down and close off. And you can, regardless of the topic, I mean, how many times can you hear the top three things that are important to customer service? You have to find a new way to engage people around it, around things they're interested in to make the information more meaningful. Well, thank you so much, Jody. This was very informative. Do you have any last comments or tips that you can give anybody out there that you know, is an entrepreneur or running their own business or as a CEO or even a leader or even just a coworker in a company? I would just say that really focusing on accessing your authentic self and enjoying what you're doing, I think that opens up endless opportunities when we can combine those things together. And it's important 
to not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. If you look at the entrepreneurial leaders today, they know how to step out of their comfort zone. So whether you are a startup organization or whether you're a Fortune 500 company, we have to allow ourselves to move out of that comfort zone. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and all of your, your knowledge that you're able to share with us today. Well, thanks so much, Netta. I really enjoyed being here. Well, that's the end of our show today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to stay connected with Jody Walker, you can find more information on her webpage at www.jodywalker.com. If you know anybody that would benefit from this episode, please share it with them and help spread the knowledge and motivation. Thank you again for joining us today. Please check out our webpage at riseupforyou.com for more information and events that are coming up. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Periscope, where we will be spreading knowledge and content for free. Various blogs, tips from experts, and information about how to get a rise in your life. And lastly, if you like what we're doing with Rise Up For You, please support us by writing a review on iTunes. Your feedback will really help the success of our show. Again, thank you for joining us, and don't forget, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.